0: amen thank you miss diane god's grace is indeed amazing and we thank him for it thank you nick and debbie diane for leading us in worship this morning thank you guys for singing it's a blessing for me to hear i know it's a blessing for your own hearts to hear god's people singing together and i think that your voices have indeed been a sweet sound in the ear of the lord in heaven this morning you know when we praise him here on earth he hears us in heaven you know that right So some of you need to start singing. All right. If you have a Bible with you this morning, open it up to John. The Gospel of John chapter 6. I want to share with you the story of the fourth miraculous sign that that, uh, John records in his Gospel that points to the reality of Jesus' identity as the Christ and the Son of God. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 The title of this message today is All You Can Eat. Let's read this story together. If you don't have a Bible with you, the verses will be on the screen behind me so that you can follow along. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. The Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, in number, about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. John did not recount every single miracle that Jesus performed, nor did he record every single message that Jesus preached. But the things that he did write about in his book had one purpose. That purpose is stated very clearly at the end of John's gospel in John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 which says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. From this fourth of eight miraculous signs that John records of the feeding of the 5,000, we take away this truth about the Christ, the Son of God. And this is the main point of this message today. Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more. Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more. Now let's take a closer look at how this story unfolds and how this sign Points to Jesus as the one who is able to provide us what we need and more. At first, I want you to notice this part of the story in verses 1 through 7 the lack. The lack. In order to understand how this miracle took place, you need to understand the great multitude, the great number of people present, and how great the lack of food actually was. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he attracted large crowds. I mean, he went somewhere and people knew about it, people found out about it, they flocked to him. He was a great teacher. And part of the reason that he garnered such a showing of people is because he was so different from the Jewish leaders and because he was so disliked by the Jewish leaders. I mean, you know, mark my words, this time next year, there's going to be a whole lot of people following a whole lot of politicians just because they don't like certain ones that are in office right now. Many people just followed Jesus because they didn't like the Jewish leaders that were in power and had position. We left off in John's Gospel, chapter 5, just a couple weeks ago, with Jesus directly challenging these leaders called the Pharisees and clearly defining himself as the anointed one that the Father had sent into this world. That challenge and those words got him a lot of attention. People followed him. Not only did people follow him as a teacher, they also followed him as a miracle worker. We see this in verse 2. They had seen how he was simply able to touch someone's hand and lifelong diseases instantaneously vanished. They heard him just speak a word, and all of a sudden, someone who had been unable to walk because they were crippled for 38 years just stood up and started walking. You guys know how crowded doctors' offices and hospital clinics are, don't you? With appointments for sick people, people trying to get tests done and hear back about test results. Could you imagine if healthcare? was provided absolutely free, and it worked the first time you went in? There's a lot of folks who came out to see Jesus because they knew He could cure them. Verse 4 also gives us the detail that the feast of the Passover was near, which means that Jews from the regions of Iturea, Galatia, and northern Galilee would have been making their way to Jerusalem through this very area of Bethsaida on their way to celebrate. Think about the traffic at a major interstate intersection on a holiday weekend or a holiday week in America. Some of you were there, right, this past week, 4th of July. You get the idea how many more people than usual might have stopped by to see Jesus on their way to the temple to celebrate Passover. Passover. Many theologians refer to this miracle as the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, some of the subheadings in your printed Bibles might have feeding of the 5,000. But Matthew's gospel of this miraculous event in chapter 14, verse 21, gives us one additional note. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So it's not just the feeding of the 5,000, it's the feeding of the 5,000-plus. We don't know how many people were there exactly. Estimates by some biblical scholars have even been as high as 20,000. I don't want to over-exaggerate. So let's just go with a more conservative guesstimate of 10,000, okay? Because not all 5,000 of those men may have been married. Not all of them were brave enough to have five kids. But some of them had kids. Some of them had spouses. Maybe they even brought their grandmothers with them. Especially if they're on their way to celebrate Passover, family units would have traveled together. There's a lot of people. You could almost picture in your mind a crowd of 10,000. That would be the size of a sellout basketball game at First National Bank Arena at Arkansas State University. I'm not sure a basketball game would sell out at Arkansas State, but maybe you get the picture. Man, I lost the Red Wolves fan. Sorry, guys. Now imagine, all right, just just imagine with me, if you were there in the middle of the court at halftime and the person in charge says to you, hey, all of these people are hungry. They don't have any food. Where can you go real quick to buy them something to eat? I mean, your eyes would do that, you know, that, that emoji you type into your phone sometimes? That's what your eyes would eat. What? There's no way. This is the situation that Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, found himself in in verses 5, 6, and 7. Jesus asked Philip, where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? Philip knew that not even 200 denarii worth of bread would be enough to feed the crowd. How much would 200 denarii have been worth? What would it be today? Well, a denarius was about a a day's wage in this day and time. So what Philip's saying is 200 days' pay wouldn't be enough to feed these people. So let's just kind of do some math, right? Let's say you've got an annual salary of $75,000, 200 days' worth of work out of 365 days of salary would be about $50,000. And that might seem a little far-fetched. Like, There's no way Philip's asking for $50,000 to feed these people. But just remember, how much would it take to feed 10,000 people a meal? Let's say you get one of those packaged lunches from Chick-fil-A. I mean, because that's Christian chicken right there. It's good stuff, isn't it? Let's so say you get one of those packaged lunch boxes from Chick-fil-A. Chicken sandwich, a water bottle, one of those really yummy cookies, and those waffle potato crisp chips. $8 a piece. If you've got 10,000 people, quick math's going to tell you that's $80,000. I ain't no way. That's more than you make in a year. Philip's right. He couldn't feed those people. And if you were there, you couldn't either. Jesus didn't ask Philip this question to tease him. The Bible says that Jesus asked this question to test him, verse 6, because Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus wanted his disciples to see the great lack so that they could see him as the great provider. Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more. When there's a lack, that's where Jesus has room to move and work as only he can. I want you to notice the second part of this story. The lad. The lad. Verses 8 through 9, we see this character come into the picture. Overhearing the conversation and trying to figure out how to answer their master's request to feed these hungry people, Andrew brought a young lad probably not Scottish, but you know, lad, that's just what I think about. He brings this little boy to Jesus and says, this young kid has some food. It doesn't amount to much, but at least it's something. Maybe the boy had overheard the dilemma and in the kind naivety of his heart said, if you need food, you can have this. The barley loaves weren't the size of full loaves of sandwich bread that we'd purchase at Hayes today. They were just common single servings of black bread, the size of small pitas. We don't know the exact size and variety of the two small fish, but we can deduce that they weren't the size of a good old southern two-piece catfish dinner with all the trimmings. Think of a snack sack of tuna fish and crackers, or a small order of fish and chips, and you get the idea. It wasn't much, but it was what the kid had, and it was what Andrew shared with Jesus. Last week, we had to say goodbye, or I guess see you later, uh, to one of our older church members, Miss Madge Scarlett Dobbs. And uh, as I was preparing for her funeral service this past week, her sister, Miss Velma Allison, shared with me some notes that Madge had written in the margin of her Bible. And Velma was sharing those with me so that I could share some of those thoughts at her funeral service. But one of the things that Velma shared with me that Madge had written down in her Bible uh, was too good just to share at the funeral service with just that family. I thought, man, i got to share this with the whole church on Sunday morning because it's exactly what happened in this story. Maybe at some point during her devotional reading or maybe hearing a pastor preach or maybe just the Holy Spirit speaking to her heart, Miss Madge had written down a couple of lines in the margin of her Bible. And here's how it read. Don't put limitations... On what you can do with God. Accept present situation. Move on from there. Isn't that what this little boy did? Isn't that what Andrew did? Jesus, there's a kid here today. He's got a little sack lunch. It's not much. If Jesus can feed over 5,000 people with just five pieces of bread and two little fish... Do you not think he could also take the little that you have offered to him in faith and obedience and do something just as great, if not even greater, with it? In fact, reality is some of you have more than five little pieces of bread and two little fish to offer to the Lord. And some of you have given more than that. You don't expect the Lord to multiply what you've given to him? I mean, here's the amazing thing in this story. Jesus asked Philip, "Where shall we buy bread that these may eat?" But Jesus didn't need any money, did he? Let me ask you this question: Do you think Jesus needs your money today? You so, well, Jake, somebody's got to pay your salary. Hey, listen to me. I've trusted Jesus to provide, and He's provided for me, and He will, no matter what. Guys, God doesn't need your money. He wants your faith. And when Andrew brought this little boy, and this little boy brought his lunch, there was faith, the grain of a mustard seed, the size of five little pieces of bread and two small fish. And Jesus did something great with it. Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more. And sometimes it might come from the little unlikely place that nobody thinks is important or significant. Move on to the next part of the story. We've noticed the lack. We've noticed the lad. Now I want you to notice the loaves, verses 10 and 11. It seems like Jesus had all that he needed. When this bread and this fish were brought to him. He told the disciples to have the people sit down. The Bible notes that there was much grass in the place. Over in Mark's account of this story, Jesus noted that these people were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep need pasture. They need to feed in the green grass. And when sheep are at peas and at ease, they'll sit down in the green grass beside the still waters. As the good shepherd takes care of them. Reminds you of a famous passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 23. Jesus was the good shepherd who was going to provide for his sheep. And this is what we know. This is simply what happened in verse 11. Jesus took the loaves, thanked God for the loaves, and then distributed the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples passed them on to the people that were sitting down. He didn't have to go bake more bread in the oven. He didn't have to cast some magic spell. He just took what was given, thanked God, broke it, and gave it out. And from these loaves, the Lord Jesus fed all of those people. All of those people. As we're going to see next week and over the next few weeks, really, Jesus himself is the provider. He is the bread of life. And he was showing not just the crowd of people, but especially his disciples, I am all you need because I have all that you need. And I can give you all that you need and even more. Some of us have a problem. We have the problem of Jesus and. We think, well, Jacob, I've got Jesus, but I also have and I also need. We just do. Our minds are trained to think that way. We live in a world system that doesn't trust the Lord. I need Jesus. He can heal me. But I need health insurance. I need doctors. I need medicine. Man, I'm thankful for doctors and health care and medicine. Aren't you? But Jesus is what you need. Jake, I'm glad I have Jesus, but I'm sure I'm glad I have a job too. (laughs) Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with hard work. In fact, we need to work hard. But it's not Jesus and a job that gives you life. It's Jesus that gives you life and meaning in life. He's all you need. Don't let it be Jesus and. Just let it be Jesus alone. In fact, if you really think about it, Jesus didn't even need this little kid's bread and fish. He could have just fed him without that if he wanted to. Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more and that brings us to the fourth part of the story verses 12 through 14 the leftovers the leftovers these disciples had gone from thinking how in the world does our master expect us to give these people enough food to what in the world are we going to do with 12 baskets full of fish and bread even if we take it to the fire department, the police station, we're still going to have leftovers. That's what the ladies do in the kitchen, by the way, all right? <laughs> we got leftovers. We'll take it to people, and give it away like crazy. We'll give it to shut-ins. Man, there weren't enough shut-ins in northern Galilee to give away all this food, too. And they might have been scared to start giving it away. Maybe the baskets were just going to fill back up when they started doing it, Right? The disciples who had gone from thinking, we have nothing to give these people to picking up all that these people had left over. Jesus told them to gather up the fragments that remained so that nothing would be lost. And they gathered it up and 12 baskets were filled. We don't know the size or the shape of these baskets. But you can imagine, whether it's a picnic basket that you tote in one hand or a big basket with handles that you carry with two there's plenty of food to eat. Jesus was showing his disciples that he has the power to provide what we need and more. Not only did they pick up leftovers just from a little bit of a snack that these people had to eat. These people had come back and they, they were good Baptists. They had gotten seconds and thirds and fourths and dessert and second desserts. They were stuffed to the brim. They were overflowing. Jesus gave them more than they needed. It proves who he is and what he can do. Verse 14 says, When they saw this sign that Jesus did, they said, Truly this is the prophet who has come into the world. This is a reference back to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. When God promised that he would raise up another prophet like Moses from among their brethren. Only this prophet would be even greater than the one who gave the law. John at the beginning of his gospel records that Moses gave the law. or Through Moses came the law. But grace and truth came through God's son Jesus Christ. When Jesus stepped onto the scene. He had the power to provide Everything that was needed and more. This story sounds fantastic and too good to be true, but it really happened. And as we've recounted this story today, I want to share with you that the same Jesus who provided physical nourishment for a multitude of people by the seaside in Galilee is the same Jesus that you and I as Christians serve today. He still very much has the power to provide what we need and more. Jesus can provide what we need today in 2023 in the rice fields of Lawrence County. Jesus can provide what we need and more in the classrooms of Walnut Ridge Elementary School and Hoxie High School. Jesus can provide what we need today and even more in the households of rural middle class families. Jesus has the power to provide, and even more, in the ministry efforts of First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. Lord Johnny, you okay over there? He just wanted to say amen, because none of you guys were. Hey, listen to me. Jesus has the power to provide what we need, and even more. But some of us have the problem of not trusting in Jesus We lean on our own understanding, we have doubts, we have questions, we have fears, and instead of looking to Jesus to provide, we look somewhere else, and we don't know where we're going to get the help from. You know, I kind of go back to what Philip said when he responded to Jesus' question. Look back there at John chapter 6 and verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. And I go back to what Andrew said in verse 9. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? You're going to laugh, but you're going to remember this. You know the problem some of us have? We have some really big butts and some really little faith. But what are they among so many? God, I believe you, but you don't understand. God, I believe you, but there is no way you're going to do this. God, so and so trusts you, but they don't really know what they're talking about. That's our problem, isn't it? What if instead of focusing on all of our questions about how and our reasons not to, we focus on the one who has the power to do more than we need him to do? Jesus has the power to provide what we need and more. So here's my question. To you as an individual Christian and to you as a church, will you trust Jesus to provide? Will you trust him to provide? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, a song of invitation is going to be played. And as that song's played, I want to ask you to respond to God as He spoke into your heart today. But before this song of invitation is played, I want to ask you to think about a couple things in your own heart, in your own life. Some of you have tried to add some things. Your faith in Jesus. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus alone. And instead of trusting all this other stuff and Jesus, you just need to trust Jesus. You need to trust Him to provide. I don't know what it is that you need, but He does. I can't give you what you need, but He can. Some of you are here today. And it's like you have faith in Jesus but this, or but that. It's not Jesus but this obstacle, or Jesus but this hindrance. It is Jesus who can overcome all of those obstacles. Are you going to trust him to provide or not? When you trust Him, you'll see Him do something great and something even greater than you wanted or needed or even expected, dreamed for, or imagined. If you're here this morning and you just need to come and renew your trust in Jesus today, I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus. I'd love to share with you how you can place your faith in the one who not only gave bread to 5,000 people, but gave himself as the bread of life so that you could have eternal life in his name. I'm going to be standing down here in the front if you need to speak with me. If I can pray for you or with you in any way, I'd love to do so. Would you stand and respond as God leads you to this morning as we sing this song?